0: Everyone, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over four thousand of my written reviews there anytime. That's at Quipster.net. Q W I P S T E R net. On my last episode, I did mention that I was going to try to get caught up on some of the Oscar films that are out there right now. But when you have a date night with your wife. She's probably not going to want to watch a Phantom Thread. Unfortunately, my wife is not as much a cinephile as I am in that regard. However, she does like going to the movies with me, and of course, we end up seeing... Fifty Shades Freed as we're heading in to the Valentine's Day, uh, week. So, Fifty Shades Freed, I'm sure they do it intentionally. They know that couples are going out and celebrating their Valentine's over the weekend and wanting to check out something, I guess, a little romantic. I don't know if you would consider the Fifty Shades films at all romantic. I generally don't. I don't even consider them good movies. But yet I end up having to see them anyway, so here is the review. It's a romance, as I mentioned, but it does have thriller elements to it. It's an R-rated film. It does have strong sexual content and nudity. I know that you're not surprised about that language, of course, in there, too. This one is an hour and 45 minutes. Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan are the main stars. Eric Johnson, Eloise Mumford, Rita Ora, Luke Grimes, Mike Smartini, Jennifer Ely, Marsha Gay Harden, Bruce Altman, Ariel Cabell are also in this film. The director, as with the previous entry, is James Foley. Neil Leonard, of course, continuing to adapt E.L. James' novel. E.L. James also gets a screenwriting credit. Now... Fifty Shades Freed is the third and final film in the Fifty Shades of Grey series and it continues what you already expect from this series. And despite giving us better interplay among the leads here, the stars are doing a little bit better in terms of giving us a more chemistry between Anastasia Steele and Christian Grey. And they do actually reduce the amount of instances of overtly laughable dialogue that you can find in the book and some of the previous two films. It cannot be freed, so to speak, from its source material's substantial weaknesses. And Now, the most substantial among those weaknesses is its terrible subplots. This one introduces kidnapping and extortion and potential murder, which seems more of an attempt to go out with a bang instead of show us anything new or novel about this relationship between Anna and Christian, which is what the films I feel like are supposed to be about. I mean, that's what the whole first film was about, and now we get a lot of subplots. So Christian Grey, he's addled with a lot of red flags, he's still controlling, he's still jealous, he cannot stand Anna showing too much skin while she's sunbathing, and then he goes into a tizzy when she decides to see her best friend for dinner without consulting with him first. Anna has been more ready to stand up for herself than in the past, hence the movie's title would suggest. Although, calling her truly independent seems only partially pushed here in this film. The story, what little there is of it, begins with the wedding and the globe-hopping honeymoon of Anastasia and Christian Grey. Life is not all peachy, although as Jack Hyde, and his former boss, who was set up as the villain in Fifty Shades Darker, the previous entry, he rears his ugly head yet again, trying to get revenge for being disgraced by taking down Christian and his billion-dollar empire, Despite someone always out there to try to kidnap and or kill them, the Greys end up discussing the fact that they are not, absolutely not, ready for having children because they never had a discussion about their future at any time before they decided to pledge to be life mates. This all means, of course, that someone is going to be kneeling and bowing, not in the red room per se, but in front of a commode before the end of this film. The storyline from E.L. James' novel tries to assert that Anna has found inner strength to be able to stand up for herself in the wake of Christian's rampant, jealous tantrums, although she seems to quickly revert to her old, submissive self whenever her husband seems to make kind of a funny face at feeling like he's losing control of the situation. For instance, we're supposed to believe that she's earned the right for a big promotion at work— ...for this book publishing company that's owned by her husband and for which she's shown very little initiative. She's not even there most of the time. She spends all her time away, you know, getting married, jet-setting, her honeymoon, all the rest. That she's some sort of idiot savant with a knack to see the best-selling material. We never actually see her reading is another aspect that we're supposed to swallow, that she's worthy of being the boss. She just happens to know which material is going to sell lots of copies... She also gets to call the shots at home about how Christian's home will look like. Christian gets to choose the location of the new home. He gets to choose the architect who's going to help them and the design and all of that stuff. And then he says, well, I'm going to allow my wife to actually make the decisions. What she says goes. And But the thing is, he has to allow that. She really doesn't have any say of her own except for that which Christian is allowing her to do. He allows Anna to cut his hair. This is supposed to be an emancipated woman, we're told here. Her other signs of so-called independence is by her being openly reckless with her actions. Despite knowing she's a target of a psychotic lunatic, strictly because her husband's insistent that she be careful, when she's in mortal danger, she doesn't really want her husband's help, despite his insistence of having round-the-clock security that's following her, and she wants to do it on her own, deciphering a way out of her own jeopardy. She's also willing to call out other attractive women for flirting with Christian in front of her, or in Christian seeing his ex-lovers for a heart-to-heart chat, because I guess this film asserts that being independent means that you're just as controlling of your spouse as your spouse is of you and your jealousy. In the end... Anna is going to give Christian what he wants, though, but only if they talk about it, to the point where he finds an excuse to take it out on her in an angry sexual way for being a brat sometime later. Of course, it's all bend and no break between these two. She continues to assert that she's with Christian. She even tells him, you're my whole life. And she ends up being compliant to just about every whim he might have in using her to get out his aggressions in the bedroom and in the red room. But by the end of the film, the couple shows so-called freedom by settling into completely vanilla domesticity, albeit with billions at their disposal, which makes them still some people that we should envy, I guess. I wonder how this film would really play out if Christian Grey were somebody who worked at the hardware store that she worked at in the original film. Although there are laughable lines that are reduced somewhat in this film, I do think that there are still laughs to be had at its expense. In fact, the one moment that gave me the biggest chuckle here happens toward the end of the film. There's a montage in which Anna is thinking about all of the highlights of their courtship and we see this montage of clips of the first two films and some of the whirlwind romance that they have. One of those highlights that's in that montage is just showing Christian working out in his home and he's balancing himself on a pommel horse. That's one of the predominant factors as to why this man is worth being married to, I guess. Some women, I guess, that would be enough. But I find it funny that that's one of the big highlights that she thinks about first when it comes to why she loves this man and he's her whole life. Perhaps the faintest of praise that I'm going to give Fifty Shades Freed is that it delivers exactly what fans of the first two films expect. There are sexy scenes of mildly kinky romance between these two good-looking actors, they're shot with maximum glamour and a lot of opulent settings, all to the tune of some grindworthy pop tunes that play out over the soundtrack. Any attempt to explore the relationship's idiosyncrasies or the way that the couple have to deal with their power plays is really, after three films left still completely by the wayside, E.L. James and screenwriter Neil Leonard would rather have us concentrate on the kinky sex, which is what is selling the product both in book and in movie form, And then they try to distract us with a lot of crime thriller plotting that tells us nothing at all about these characters that we're supposed to identify with beyond what we already knew from the first entry. So the best thing that's going to be said about the film is that it's the shortest of the three films in the trilogy. As for the rest, since it reasserts its BDSM friendly attitude in the last scene of the film, it's a given that Fifty Shades, the series, is going to end with both a whimper and a bang. So to speak. So two stars is what I'm going to be giving. Fifty Shades Free. Two stars on my scale means that I do think this is a film that is lacking in some vital area that's going to keep it from being something I can recommend. Of course, what it really is lacking is some sort of insight. Good writing, I guess, here. Certainly the budget is here. You have all of the elements to at least try to do something new because, you know, BDSM is not really mainstream uh, except for this property. So they have the opportunity here to actually delve a little bit deeper into something that we could find somewhat fascinating. But it's all glossy. It's glossed over for the sake of pure titillation. And after three whole movies about these characters, I'm just as distanced from who they are and what makes them tick as I was when I watched the original trailer for the first film. So two stars is the most I can give. Fifty Shades Freed. And if this is indeed the last one, I am finally freed myself from having to watch any more of these around the Valentine's Day period. I'm sure something else will take its place that I will probably not look forward to, but this one sets a low bar. I'm hoping that at least it'll be somewhat better than the material that we've been given the last few years. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review, even if I didn't have a lot of complimentary things to say about the film. If you have your own thoughts about Fifty Shades Freed or of the Fifty Shades series in general, you can write to me. You can find my contact information at my website, quipster.net, where you can also find links to my Twitter feed and Facebook page. You can also contact me there as well. I also want to remind you that I do other podcast work, including the 80s film podcast that I do called Around the World in 80s Movies. I'm just now getting into the Back to the Future series at the time of this recording, so if you want to hear some of my takes, And some of my insights and some trivia about the Back to the Future series, I do encourage you to check out Around the World in 80s Movies. Also, in the next week or so, I will be a guest host on a show that I was a regular part of for a period of a little over a year, the In Session Film Podcast. I will be joining JD on the February 22nd Extra Film, so check out that when it comes out and go to Insessionfilm.com If you want to see when that will actually drop and until next time, I hope that you enjoy your time. Anytime you get to go to the movies and just remember movies are not necessarily just for your gratification. Sometimes when you're in a relationship, it's good to find things to watch together. And certainly if my wife wanted to see a hundred more of these movies, I would end up doing that because I love my wife. And I love movies, so even bad ones, I can find something to entertain myself with. And I hope that you do as well.